It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another evening of motorsports conversation here on PMN Radio. This is the Stock Car Show, and it is brought to you, as always, by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or at either of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or here in Mooresville, North Carolina, not far from where we are positioned this evening, sitting comfortably inside the Race City USA PMN studios here in Mooresville, and excited to be with you for another evening of Motorsports Conversation. I am Tom Baker from RaceChaserOnline.com, and I am joined by the managing editor of Race Chaser Online and my cohort in crime on the radio shows. It is Jacob Seelman. Jacob joins us tonight via the Race Chaser Skype line. Why? Because he is on location down in Pensacola, Florida. He's covering the 50th annual Snowball Derby, which takes place, of course, at Five Flags Speedway. And we have got a trio of voices that you're going to hear from who are competing and i'm just thinking that if you well i guess not jacob i was gonna say if you if you multi if you added all of their ages up but i forget brandon mcreynolds is a little older but you'd barely be over 50 with all three of these drivers ages brandon mcreynolds harrison burton and noah gregson all going to be uh talking to us on the program yeah, let's see, Tom. You've got a 17-year-old in Harrison Burton. You've got an 18-year-old in Noah Gregson. And you've got a 26-year-old, yeah, I want to say. That's right, in yeah. Brandon McReynolds. So when you add all that up, 61. I think it comes to 60, 61. Yeah. Yeah, there, there we go. My yeah. math doesn't I, I forgot suck, Brandon so. was older, but uh, it really is funny to think about. Um you know, there are so many young drivers who compete in the super late models these days. And you think about the snowball derby being 50 years old. And you think about some of the drivers who have won the thing. And even, you know, to think about the fact that Bubba Pollard, who it seems like has been around since the first one, um, you know, is still uh, topping the charts in practice sessions here. Um you know, it's pretty amazing to think that mixed in with all the Bubba Pollards of the day are drivers like Harrison, who's probably been in late models for, you know, a couple of years competitively anyway. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different era in the sport, and it's really enjoyable, I think, to um, to see the mix of youth and experience that comes together at a marquee event like this. You're actually going to hear that reference coming up in this show tonight, Tom. One of our interviews, uh, Harrison Burton actually spoke directly to that point about the mix of youth versus veteran talent in this race. And it, it happens every year. You get the kids who are trying to prove themselves against the veterans who are looking for a marquee victory. And we've seen youth actually triumph in large part over the last six or seven years of this race. Chase Elliott won it in 2011 and 2015. Eric Jones 
won it in uh, 2012 and 2013. John Hunter Nemechek won it in 2014. And last year, Christian Eckes, uh, or as he calls himself, that kid from New York, picked up the victory. So uh, the, the teenagers have really run rampant on this event over the last seven years or so and it's going to be interesting to see with the names that are in the field this time the veterans like kyle bush like augie grill somebody like a bubba pollard tom it'll be interesting to see which side of the seesaw so to speak will come out triumphant this time around well we know who came out triumphant last time around it was christian eckes and we talked to him monday night and he's pretty excited about the chance to go back. And one of the things he shared with us on Monday was that he really didn't have a lot of time for the wind to sink in. I mean, he was so young when he right. won it last year. So the idea is to uh, go back and win it again so that the shock of it all sort of goes away this time and he can really enjoy it. And And I think... There's a point to be made there, and, and that's why I brought it up on Monday night because I've watched other young racers win marquee races in their second or third year of racing that race, and then they never win it again. So you win it so early, and as someone who's young, I don't think you really appreciate what you did because you won it so quickly. You didn't have to really work for it for a lot of years, and then if you don't win it again, you kind of never get that feeling of, of, right. you know, I worked really hard for this and, and, you know, nothing, not to disrespect Christian anyway, just to say that that happened so quick for him. It was almost more of a shock than anything. And I think, um, you know, him going down there now, he goes down knowing that he can win. And if he wins it again, then obviously he'll be able to enjoy it more. Exactly. But you know what? I would almost say that Christian maybe is the exception to that rule because, I think Christian, even as young as he is, has a very deep appreciation for not only the history of the sport, but the Snowball Derby itself. Um, you know, This is not an event that's new to Christian. He's been around late models since he was a little kid, even though he hasn't obviously raced them uh, until a couple of years ago. But he's a short track kid. He's yeah. something, you know, like a Harrison Burton. You know, these guys do, I think, understand very well what this race means and what it means to win. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. And, you know, I'm so grateful uh, Tim Brown all the folks down here in Pensacola for allowing me to come down and be a part of this weekend. When I walked in, and uh, for those who are listening who may think, wait, haven't you done this before? Actually, no. Uh, this is my first time, uh, not at Five Flag Speedway, but certainly my first time ever at the Snowball Derby. So uh, I, I'll admit I was a little bit overwhelmed uh, walking in in person for the first time and having 100 or 105 haulers in the infield of a half-mile track. Uh, you, you look at that and go, holy crap. Uh, but, it, you know, it's fun. It's exciting. Uh, you know, your KBM cars, your Bubba Pollards, your Augie Grills, we know who the favorites are. But this race likes a good underdog story. So uh, I can't wait to see what's going to play out. It's going to be, I think, so much fun. I mean, heck, today was only practice day, and I've already had a blast. Talk a little bit about what's happened over the course of the day today. Bring us up to date on uh, the news of the day down there. 
Well, the news of the day is that Bubba Pollard, who has done everything in short track racing but win the Snowball Derby, is a very, very fast man. He set the overall fastest lap of the day at a 16.55 second lap around the half mile five flag speedway in Pensacola. Um, It was... A very quick lap set in the third and final practice session when the day was at its coolest. Uh, But the first practice session was what had everybody talking, Tom, because Johnny Sauter, who was making his long-heralded and long-awaited Snowball Derby debut. Imagine that. The Sauter family and the Sauter name has been so synonymous with late model racing for so long you'd think Johnny would have run it. But this was Johnny's debut at the Derby. It lasted all of three laps. Uh, Oh, boy. Johnny went out on his first lap in the opening practice, and there was a big cloud of smoke out the back of his number five Smoky Mountain Herbal snuff machine. They brought him back in. They found it was a loose oil line. They secured that, and they sent Johnny back out. His second lap was good enough for 17th fastest, and then his third lap, well, something broke. The brakes went to the floor, and Johnny went into the turn four outside wall hard. Mm. The car is a mess. It's destroyed. Johnny was frustrated. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him after the fact, and he said, you know, I had no warning. I put my foot on the brakes, and it just went right to the floor, and Mm. we went right into the wall. He said it knocked the drive shaft out of it, knocked the oil tank out of it. There's no saving it. Now, I did hear at the racetrack, Tom, that he has received several offers from other teams to drive their backup car in an attempt to qualify for uh, on Friday night for the Derby. And not only that, one of those teams was actually Kyle Busch Motorsports. Oh, now, wow. picture this, if you will, Kyle Busch renting out a backup car to Johnny Sauter. If Johnny puts it in the field, uh, there's a story that writes itself and you talk about for the rest of the weekend because obviously Sauter uh, driving for GMS in the truck series and kind of uh, a bitter rivalry between GMS and Kyle Busch Motorsports this season. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Johnny's uh, last comment was we'll see what happens and the price would have to be right. But yeah, you know, tough break for Johnny, excited for Bubba. Yeah, Cisco, that was uh, Cisco Scaramuza joining us now. Uh, that was kind of my thought. I was hearing that old famous game show line, it can be yours if the price is right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also Sauter uh, talked a little bit after after his crash and uh, basically spelled out the fact that, yeah, I if, if there had been more planning or if they had tested everything, it probably would have been fine. And he said, when I went to the brake pedal, or when I went to go to the brake pedal, it just went to the floor. He doesn't know why. He rebuilt all the calipers, so for him it was just, you know, tough break for him, you know, having worked on the car and see it all go up in smoke. And, yeah, you can drive the backup car, but I'd have to think, Tom, it's going to be kind of kind of sad to, you know, see a car that you worked on kind of all go up in smoke and have to drive somebody else's as well. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, Jacob, but certainly a tough break for one of those veterans who actually was a rookie at this event. Well, probably not. I guess he's probably run it before, but he just no, hasn't No, 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 that's what, that's what I was saying. Oh, this it was, was his first time. Debut. Okay, yes. so yeah, a veteran who was a rookie at this event. Yep. 
Absolutely. It was it was tough. It, you know, he I made the the quip in my story on Race Chaser Online that uh, he was uh, the king of the mile and a half in the truck series. And it took a mile and a half for everything <laughs> to go wrong. <laughs> Three laps around a half mile. That's what happens on the short track. Sometimes we'll take a break when we come back. We will hear from the first of our three familiar voices. Brandon McReynolds going to be talking to us when we return to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay with us. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Yeah, so behind the glass, Bill threw that in perfectly. Welcome back to the uh, Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. And uh, 
by the way, Boss Joe from uh, HMS Motorsport will be in a little while from now to uh, talk safety. And I think we're going to be talking head and neck restraints tonight. You will not want to miss that. And we are uh, looking forward to having Joe Marco in uh, subbing for Billy, who usually comes in and talks to us. But uh, Joe going to do that this evening. That'll be coming up in our second hour. So, uh, Jacob Seelman, we have the first of our guests queued up here. It's going to be Brandon McReynolds, who brought us back from the break. And uh, Brandon, you know, it's funny when I think about Brandon McReynolds, I, I remember him being so young racing. Now he's in his mid-20s and he's kind of uh, kind of a veteran of these things. And um, yet, you know, he's had kind of some infrequent racing action over the last year or two. So, um you know, this is a great opportunity for him, I think, to go down and uh, get some seat time again and, and try to get himself a, a big derby win and, and maybe get his stock back up a little bit. Uh, not to say that he's done anything necessarily to tarnish it other than just sort of the out of sight, out of mind sort of thing that happens to drivers when you go a while between race starts in your regional or national series. Right. Now, to be fair, he's not been out of sight in the national garage area because he's been working consistently Correct. as a driver coach right. for Noah Gregson, yep. just been out of the driver's out of the seat. seat in his own right. right. Uh, but, you know, Brandon, actually a lot of things here. You know, he's glad to be back at the Derby. He is driving for KBR Development, which is fielding late models regularly for Michigan uh, young gun and standout Carson Hosevar, who won the Berlin Raceway Track Championship this season. So McReynolds, a teammate to Hosevar this weekend at the Snowball Derby and driving the same KBR Development number 20 that Eric Jones piloted during the Slinger Nationals uh, a year or two back when he battled with Matt Kenseth to the bitter end for that title. But Brandon also has been in the news because he's going to be back in the K&M Pro Series East in 2018, right. which he'll talk about in the interview. I was just excited to see him having fun. And as he told me, I'm just glad to be back in a race suit, man. It's I don't get to do this stuff enough anymore. And if he can win the Derby this weekend, Tom, he would join his father, Larry, as a Snowball Derby winner. Now, Larry didn't do it as a driver. He actually did it as a crew chief for Dave Mater back in the late 70s. But, you know, that would be a hallmark. We talk about family names being a part of the Derby uh, many, many years over. And the McReynolds name has some Derby history behind it. So we'll see what Brandon can do. He's got to qualify in, though, first. That's the going to be the running theme tonight. All these guys you're hearing from they have to qualify in on pole night tomorrow night yeah it's definitely that that pole night qualifying session down there is high stress zone is what that is i think uh bill has got brandon queued up here let's hear from him it took the snowball derby to find the elusive brandon mcreynolds you've been all over the place let's see your kid that you've been driver coaching all year is out on track you're out on track in what i believe is one of the same cars that eric jones drove in the past for the kbr development team so getting back on track and even a can and east ride in the future it's a good time to be you yeah it's really exciting getting to do a lot of different things as you mentioned working with noah and and, and being able to come out here 
and have the opportunity to come race for a good team. Um, it's really exciting. I, uh, I feel very fortunate and just uh, now we got to go out there and do our job and qualify in for the 50th annual Snowball Derby and uh, try to go race these guys on Sunday. I know for you, obviously, it feels good just to be back on track. You've not gotten to do that a whole lot as of late. So what's been the process for you getting back comfortable and working with this group of guys on this 20 team? Well, probably the biggest difference between when you're full-time racing is when you're full-time racing and you're and, and you got a little bit of a rhythm going with your guys. You can get in there and just explain what the car is doing. They work on it. You go back out there and hopefully you run faster. With not racing that often, you always got to keep in your mind. You got to have confidence, but at the same time, you got to work on yourself a little bit too, just because I've been a little rusty and and, and haven't been in the car that much. So uh, it's been a good balance. The guys, uh, Mike Bursley that and Zach that I've been working with on at KBR development they've been finding that good balance for me and giving me a hard time to push me to, to run quicker and, and to open my entries up and to think about all the things that I preach to Noah every single weekend and then also finding that fine balance of how much they need to work on the car so it's been good uh, we started off a little a little off in that first practice but I feel good about once we put on some tires and get kind of on the same rubber as some of the other guys that will be okay has it helped you in a way because you've been coaching Noah so much in your own driving getting back in the car yeah I think so so the biggest thing is just uh, giving yourself reminders of the things that you teach every single week. And, and Noah and I have established a really good relationship and kind of feed off one another. So um, the biggest thing is just, you know, whether it's looking at film or, or taking notes or going back and looking at your notes, uh, that's the biggest thing that I try to preach to him. It's a lot easier to take a look at that notebook than it is to try to remember something. So when we were down here in Pensacola testing the other day, I try to get out and do those same things that I harp on Noah about. Out, but uh, it's uh, it's definitely a, a big a big change going from walking around in a in a polo or a button down back uh, hopping behind a race car. But I, I definitely know I can still do it, and, and I'm thankful that there's people out there that are giving me a chance to show what I can still do. This is a special race, the Golden Anniversary, and obviously the most prestigious super late model race anywhere in the country. What's it mean to be a part of this weekend? It's really exciting. I mean, I, I have family that lives down here. My wife's from Pensacola. My dad's actually won this race as a crew chief, so there's a lot of uh, history and a lot of uh, ties for me down here as a, as a person, so I'm uh, looking forward to it. I mean, first things first, we got to get in the show and then uh, hopefully we can go out there and mix it up but uh, those are our expectations we expect to come down here and win like nobody else and and, uh, but we got to make it in Friday night and uh, see where the cards fall and go from there you mentioned making it in this is a stressful day just to get in on Friday how stressful as a driver is it yeah, really right now it's it's more about finding your fine balance and then when the stress settles in is probably after the last practice tomorrow before qualifying once that sun starts going down. Um, the draw has a little something to do with it. I, I, I'm not too pumped up about going out as early as we are, but I can't have an excuse either because Kyle Busch, uh, probably, probably one of the greatest in our whole entire sports rolling out right in front of me. So we'll see what he can do and try to go out there and back it up or beat him at the same time. So uh, we'll, we'll know really quick where we're going to wind up and uh, we just got to go out there and do our job and, and focus on controlling what we can control and that's that's getting in the race. I want to ask you really quickly the Visconti K&N East deal came up uh, as a little bit of a surprise I think to some people another big opportunity for you and in, in a division where you've won before talk a little bit about that. Yeah so uh, John Visconti he was kind enough to get a hold of Tommy Baldwin and he's buying the actually bought the car that we built uh, over at Tommy Baldwin shop that we ran last year a few times had a lot of speed ran really 
really well with it. Uh, a lot of shoulda, woulda, couldas, but had a couple of second, third place runs going. And um, so I, I feel good about it. Um, we're trying to put our team together right now to get down to New Smyrna uh, come February. So, you know, I feel very fortunate that John's investing in me and, and believing in me to go out there and, and run, it, run some good races for him. We'll probably wind up running five to seven of the bigger races. Uh, I got to look at my schedule because of work, but it's, it's going to sound like something like New Smyrna, Bristol, Dover, New Hampshire, places like that. So really fortunate to have John believing in me. And, and it's a big testament to Tommy Baldwin. You know, they could have put anyone in the car, um, but Tommy told John that if he wanted somebody to go out there and do him a good job to give me a call. So I feel very fortunate to have someone like Tommy Baldwin, who's won multiple cup races and, and won races in any division that you can think of, uh, put his stamp of approval on my name. So uh, really looking forward to that. And uh, But we'll get through the Derby and then go tackle the Canaan in car and get it ready for New Smyrna. He'd like to get his stamp on that Tom Dawson Trophy Sunday night. Brandon McReynolds looking for Derby win number one to join his father on that list. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the father-son connection can't be overlooked here. And, you know, Jacob, it's kind of interesting that Brandon gets this opportunity in the K&N series just simply by the fact that, you know, he, he has been uh, not a regular competitor uh, for a year or two, and, and now he's um, now he's back. And, and I think K&N's probably a good place for him to come back. And, you know, you get, get the derby and then you run a handful of K&N starts and brush your skills off. And if he can go get a couple of wins, which I think he's more than capable of if the equipment is there for him, then, you know, maybe that, uh, like I said earlier, maybe that puts his stock back where it needs to be uh, in order to, to re-excite some folks about giving him an opportunity in one of the national series. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I want to add that Brandon does have a past history of success. He's actually a former winner in the NASCAR K&M Pro Series. He won the combination race at Iowa Speedway a few years back. So, you know, he's had success, drove for Bill McAnally out in the K&M Pro Series West a couple of years ago. Uh, He knows what he's doing. He knows his stuff. And you know what? Even though he didn't run full-time last year, he referenced that he ran a couple of races for Tommy Baldwin in the K&M Pro Series. Every time he set foot in that car, he had speed and he contended at the front of the field. A couple of the results didn't fall their way due to crashes or mechanical failures. But Brandon had a ton of speed. He's not forgotten how to do this. And I think he's going to be just fine. I would reckon he probably will win at least one race next year. Yeah, I would think uh, we may see him in victory lane a couple of different times. And with that, we are going to step aside. Much more to come here. We're going to hear from Harrison Burton, hear from Noah Gregson. We've got Kyle Souza lined up here a little bit later on in the program to talk New England motorsports stuff. And, of course, uh, Joe Marco from HMS Motorsports is going to join us as well to talk driver safety after a while. Stick around. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new 
new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hey, I'm Brennan Poole, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. <laughs> well, apparently we didn't have a Harrison Burton re-entry to slip in there to continue the uh, streak of having the driver we're about to hear from bring us back from the break that precedes that uh, sound. Welcome back. Yeah, to the... we're, we're going to fix that tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> Welcome back. No need. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker Jacob Seelman and Cisco Scaramuza chatting with you about motorsports and 
right now about the 50th annual, I still can't believe that, 50th annual Snowball Derby. The Derby is as old as I am. That's uh, that's just crazy. Um, that makes you old. Yeah, it certainly does. I feel about 75 <laughs> tonight. Uh, definitely excited about this year's edition of the Derby. Kyle Bush is back. We had Johnny Sauter. Of course, we talked about his problem in practice with the crash and of all kinds of young drivers uh, of which Brandon McReynolds, I guess, compared to a Johnny Sauter would still qualify as a young driver. And um, we're going to hear from another young driver who actually is a young driver, Harrison Burton at 17 years old running in the Derby. And you know what, Jacob, Harrison is one of those drivers as young as he is. He's one of those drivers that in any kind of a late model. Now I, I don't, obviously feel this way yet about say the trucks when he runs them because he hasn't quite grown into those feet yet but you put him in a late model or even a k&n car and i don't care where it is what race it is harrison burton is a contender to win he really has a great feel for driving a late model whether it's a super or whatever it is yes he does and he felt like that last year really they thought should have been their year to contend to win the Derby. And the fact that their Fury race cars teammate, Christian Eckes ultimately won the Derby is a testament to those cars. And I think uh, I was talking to Harrison about it earlier today, actually gives them a lot of confidence uh, in what they have underneath them and in what they may be capable of as far as the 300 laps on Sunday. I'm not overly worried about Harrison's ability to qualify in tomorrow night. We know he knows how to get up on the wheel. I think he'll be just fine. Uh, Honestly, I think he's a contender for the pole, quite frankly. He had a lot of speed, uh, a lot of consistent speed in practice earlier today. And uh, Eckes, again, his teammate, was up near the top of the charts as well on single lap speed. So, you know, Harrison, you're right, is a contender to win this race. And boy, after he nearly won the Winchester 400 earlier this year, I dare say he has learned how to pace himself in these longer distance races. And I think some of his truck experience has helped him with that this season. I would argue that the longer truck races have helped him learn that he's got to manage his stuff. And that has helped him uh, in a race like the Winchester 400. And I think may help him in the Derby this weekend with the 300 laps on tap on Sunday. So it's going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to seeing that Dex imaging 12 car up front. And he's excited, Tom, you're going to hear that in a minute. Well, Harrison's always excited. Uh, I want to hear it now. Bill, push the button. We got some stuff to talk about. I ain't even gotten to say congratulations to Harrison Burton about winning a championship yet because you've been all over everywhere. So congratulations. First off, champ, I know that feels really good. And topsy-turvy, go out, win the race, win the title sort of a deal. Uh, Unexpected a little bit having to bat from behind. But you've said it for months, and I know it hasn't changed. Still the sweetest thing yet. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was a, it's a lot of fun, you know, kind of being the underdog going in there and then getting the job done and winning the race and the championship. That was uh, that's what you live for, right, as a, as a race car driver. So uh, when I got to when I got to accomplish that, it was something that was uh, really, really fun, but it motivated me because I want to win more now. I want to win more races, win more championships, hopefully in the future. And uh, I don't 
don't know. It was it was fun while it lasted, but now I'm back to business. You're back to business here. This is a special weekend, special race. What's it mean to be a part of the golden anniversary of the Derby? Obviously, you've been here before, but I think everybody that's walked in here can agree. It's a little bit different right now. Yeah, the, the 50th anniversary is a big deal, obviously. It's the uh, biggest race in Lee Model Race, and uh, that's all you can say about it. And, and there's a lot of big races in Lee Model. So, uh, to win the Win the Derby would be so big, and, and especially on the 50th, that, that puts that much more on it. And Kyle Busch is in town, and that puts more on it. And, and Johnny Sauter's in town, so all these great drivers are, are coming in and, and trying to get their Tom Dawson trophy. But there's a bunch of good young guys like me that wanted it for ourselves. You're hungry. You've been hungry all year, and I think we've seen that. I mean, what has this season been like for you from a growth standpoint? I think you've kind of found that place where you can dig a lot deeper maybe than we've seen you in the past and really come away with some big things because of it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, racing, it's a lot of mental, you know, it's, it's a physical sport. You're going to be tired and going to be sweaty and out of breath and all that good <laughs> stuff, but but really it's all up top. It's uh, being in the right mindset for the race, you know, going to the race prepared and, and studying before you go there and uh, really doing everything you need to do to be the best driver you can be is so big. So, yeah, I feel like I found, a, you know, a preparation method that's kind of helped me and, and got me going better, and, and I feel like that that is starting to provide results. Um, which is good, you know, it's cool to put in work and then see the results for it. So uh, that's exciting, but hopefully I can find some more little things that help me along the way. I'm still learning a bunch of stuff about me as a, as a driver and how to drive these cars. So a lot, of, a lot of improvement to be done. I still have a long way to go. Your truck boss, as you referenced a minute ago, is out here. You're actually not officially running a KBM car this weekend. How different is it knowing that you're racing against the guy that you drive for on the national stage? Well, it's it's fun, you know. He's he's really obviously a great race car driver, and uh, he's he's someone that you want to beat, right? Because he's so good. He he does his job almost perfectly every week. So for for me, it's it's motivating that, that he would come down and, and race with us and. Um, wants to win this race. It shows how big of a race it is, and I'm, I'm hopefully I can go out and beat him. It's, it's. Uh, we kind of texted back and forth earlier, discussing lap times from our tests and all that, and so I still feel like I'm an associate because he's not radio <laughs> silence on me right. yet. But, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be um, like it always is. Even when he races with us and in the truck series, we still want to beat him, right? I know if I ask you this straight up, a championship always makes this answer an A. But when you look deeper at all the fine points of this season and kind of how it's played out, I mean, how do you look back on this year from the standpoint of beginning to now across everything you've done? Well, we started off really strong this year and won our first race of the year in Cordell and, and then it came inside, got the pole in the first race of the year. And, and so we started off a really strong, uh, strong foot and um, just kind of carried that along. I feel like our, our biggest thing was in the middle there. We actually kind of lost some of our, our speed, and, and we're starting to get it back. We won late in the season at Dover, and uh, in the last race of the season at Dover, and then uh, won, uh, have been in contention in, in some super late model races. Uh, almost won the Winchester 400. It almost doesn't count, but almost won it. And That one still bugs you, doesn't it? Yeah, that one does bug me. That's that's another race. It's here in the, the, it's here in, in the Winchester 400 are my two bucket list super late model races for sure. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'll bug me, but, yeah, it, it was a good year. It was a lot of fun. I feel like there's the areas where I need to improve still as a driver, obviously. I'm, I'm still learning a lot, and um, I think it's important to keep that in, in the back of
of my mind that I'm not anywhere near as good as some of the guys racing the Cup Series, so i gotta, I got to get after it and get it done. Real quickly, obviously you turn 18 late next year. Your dad and I have talked about this, about how we may kind of see you run a bit of a true outlaw schedule next year, not really run anything but run all the big races that you can run. How do you see this playing out? What are you most looking forward to as far as what you're going to be racing next year? Well, you know, I, I think that, that kind of hit the nail on the head is running around and, and running as many big races as I can and, and running as many big tracks as I'm eligible for. Um, I know that there's some, some really cool races on my schedule that I'm really excited for and uh it's not 100 percent done but we have it uh 95 done i'd say so uh that's exciting I have, i'm really excited for just to learn this year you know i don't have a it's not looking like i'm gonna have a championship you know hunt to be stressing out about and i feel like i now i can relax and go and really take a lot of mental notes and, and learn as much as i can as the year goes on instead of having to be great now and then win a championship now i can win races and still go 100 percent for them but now i can also learn and have a learning experience experience and, and be focused on that more than points. The trend the last couple years has been kissing the golden snowball. If Harrison Burton wins the Tom Dawson trophy on Sunday, what are we going to see in the celebration? <laughs> a lot of excitement. I can guarantee that. I don't know. I don't have a trademark celebration. I kiss the championship trophy. I'm sure I'd kiss this trophy as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would be excited. I can guarantee you that much. It'd be um, I'd probably look like an idiot jumping around down there. So, yeah, it would be cool. Uh, hopefully, we got to do our job before we have to worry about that, though. So, hopefully, we have a shot at it at the end, and that's all you can ask for. Harrison is right about that. It's all you can ask for. But, Cisco, uh, I know we were kind of laughing about it there at the end. I w- was laughing about it when he said it straight to my face during the break in practice earlier in the day. But uh, I... I said, and Tom reiterated in our group chat, that if Harrison wins the trophy, he may just sleep with it. I I don't know that that thing would leave his arms reach (laughs) for about a month. No, I I tend to agree. And consider for a moment Harrison's track record at the Derby hasn't been fantastic. A 26th in uh, 2015 as well as a 34th in 2016. So... Imagine breaking that streak of, you know, stuff happening. It was a crash in 2015 or suspension rather in 2015 and then a rear end in 2016. Both of those causing him to fall out. So, Tom, you'd have to think if Harrison wins this race, what, you know, to snap that streak of just bad luck would be awesome. Well, yeah. And Harrison is such a passionate kid and, and a playful kid he's he the personality that he's got would make that victory lane celebration highly entertaining i'm sure and uh speaking of drivers who made celebrations entertaining we're going to hear from noah gregson next uh when we come back around the turn here and of course noah is the driver famous for taking martinsville's grandfather clock and turning it into a granddaddy watch uh noah gregson on the other side when we come back you're listening to the stock car show on the performance motorsports network okay so sarah i'm dropping you off at emily's yep and josh you're going to soccer dad soccer practice right oh by the way i just wanted to let you know when i pick you both up i'll be wearing my short shorts what no yep and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it. Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. 
Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back. It's the Stock Car Show on PMN Radio. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, carrying you through another uh, evening of motorsports conversation. And we are excited to be talking about the 50th annual Snowball Derby and hearing from the third in our trio of uh, driver voices that uh, we have for you here this evening. Jacob, Noah Gregson is a driver who no longer really needs an introduction. If you follow NASCAR's truck series, you know who Noah Gregson is. I think probably a lot of people who watched Noah first in the trucks and don't really know much about his background would have no idea that, you know, obviously late model racing is a real forte of his and, you know, he's really done well in the late models as well, of course, as he did in K&N Pro Series West also. But, you know, Noah's a driver, I think, with an outstanding shot to win this event and a, and a driver that I think this event, this trophy on his mantelpiece would be the first of many special trophies we're going to see out of Noah, just like with Harrison, who we heard from uh, in the last segment. I would agree with that. And by the way, Bill Holt, you get an A-plus tonight. Uh, Obviously, uh, we do not yet have a Harrison Burton re-entry, but Bill was two for two on the ones we did have. So (laughs) bravo behind the glass, Bill. And as I referenced in the last segment, Harrison made us promise to fix that tomorrow, which we're going to do. So back to Noah Gregson, though. Uh, I believe he's already got one special trophy. It just won't fit on his mantle. As you referenced, the now infamous Granddaddy Watch 
comment, uh, and that clock is at his house. I asked him earlier. He said, absolutely, that clock is mine, and I, I, I like looking at it, he says. So uh, the Tom Dawson trophy, though, yeah, that, that would be a pretty good one. And I think it's amazing to note here, Tom, that despite Noah's prowess in a late model, he actually doesn't have a ton of super late model experience because supers aren't really that big on the West Coast. Noah's from Las Vegas, so uh, other than at the bull ring, uh, not a ton of super late model racing on a big scale out there. Noah actually talked to me about that earlier today. He said, you know, when he moved out east, he, uh, that he was glad for races like the Snowball Derby because they give him a chance to really experience it on a bigger scale than what he's used to. He's become such a threat this year with KBM. He won the Winchester 400. That, I believe, gives him a real shot to win at Pensacola this weekend. If he qualifies anywhere in the top half of this field, you keep an eye on that 18-switch Toyota come about lap 200 or 225 on Sunday because I believe he will be in contention, and I think you will have to contend with Noah Gregson for the Tom Dawson Trophy, possibly much like his boss had to contend with Eric Jones a few years ago. Yeah, I'd forgotten he actually won the Winchester 400, and, and you're right, he, he did. So the, this this trophy wouldn't be the first. It would be yet another in the line of very special trophies that he's won right. on the late model side of things. And the cool thing about the situation Noah's in, he's going to get another year in the truck. So he isn't to a point yet where uh, he'll he's in a situation where he would have to perhaps curtail some of the short track stuff uh, you know, to, to concentrate on the National Series stuff. He'll be able to still do the late models. And, um, you know, because Kyle, Kyle Busch loves that sort of thing. So a good situation for Noah. Let's hear from him. Bill, hit it. Because we haven't had a chance to do this since he won a granddaddy watch oh, about six weeks ago at Martinsville. So, Noah Gregson, not only welcome back to the Stock Car Show, but welcome back to the Derby, I suppose. This is fun. You get a whole little KBM get-up this time and get to see if you can win one after 300 laps on Sunday. You and I were talking a minute ago. This is a huge event. Can you win it this time? Ah, uh, definitely. I know what it's like to, to run against these KBM cars running for Richie Waters last year. and We had a, a fast toy to Camry last year, but but just not enough seeing William and Christopher. They had a lot of success here uh, in the past years, and, and Kyle Busch Motorsports, they definitely have a, a great setup here. So this is a new car, and uh, we tested here a couple days ago, but a lot of speed in this thing. Looking from the outside in, in the past years, it's it's always been uh, the cars that you wanna you wanna chase and hopefully be be in one day. And so, turning that dream into a reality this weekend is is gonna be huge. Um, we came off a, a big win earlier in the year at Winchester um, a few months ago. So, being here, I know my switch Toyota camera is gonna be fast, and uh, just need to execute all night in the race and uh, get through practice, everything smoothly. It's a it's a long week, so just getting everything. Uh, to go smoothly is, is really the biggest thing. And that's hard to do over a weekend where, A, there's as much track time as there is, but, B, there's a lot of laps on Sunday to have to navigate. Oh, yeah, we'll probably put 300 laps in during the race and then uh, probably 300, 400 laps in practice and, uh, and whatnot. So a lot of mind games going on. A lot of times on the ego sheet, guys are mocking up and uh, really just need to stay grounded and uh, 
and stay focused on, on what really counts and, and not get too caught up on, on the speed sheet because it'll mess you up in a hurry if you start looking at that thing. Is the atmosphere driving this 18 car this time different than when you were here a year ago for Richie? Yeah, I'd say I've been here two years um, in a row, 2015-2016, and uh, before I was trying to soak in the atmosphere, try and, try and learn the racetrack, kind of take it how it was and, and kind of play it by ear, but now I know how my car needs to be handling during practice. I know how the race needs to be run in order to uh, to stay up front. There's pit stops in this race. I have a lot of pit stops under my belt um, from the Camber World Truck Series year so far, so feel comfortable on those, and, and I'm honestly coming into this weekend really calm. Past years, the past two years, I've been excited, pumped up, not knowing what to expect but now I'm very calm. I know what needs to be done, and uh, we're going to go out there and chase it. Obviously, you've got teammates to work on and lean on this weekend, but you've got the boss here too. Would it be even more special to win this race knowing that you beat Kyle to do it? I don't think he's going to be the only one. I mean, there's there's so many. This is the biggest race in the country, and there's so many great competitors here. you got Ty Majeski, Harrison Burton, my teammate in the, in the truck series. you got Brandon McReynolds. I mean, there's so many people here that that have won prestigious races and, and know what it takes. You saw last year, I don't think Christian X was the best car, but he uh, put on one hell of a race. And uh, So you just got to watch the film from uh, the past couple years, kind of learn a little bit, and uh, hopefully it just comes down in our favor at the end of this deal. But I don't know if Kyle's going to be the only one to beat. Ty Majeski will be strong. The rest of them will be strong. You mentioned Winchester, and obviously the win at Martinsville was big too. Did winning those big races, do you feel like, prepare you in a lot of ways to know how to win this race? Yeah, I feel like I'm a short track racer. I really struggle on a mile and a half this year. Had a lot of success. Uh, it might not show it on paper, but a lot of success on the shorter tracks in the truck series. Um, we've had a lot of speed pretty much everywhere. So carrying that momentum from Winchester, that was my, I feel like, breakthrough super late model victory that kind of put me on the map. Um, I, I haven't won a, a huge super late model race. One, because I'm from the West Coast, haven't been racing super late models very long, and um, they don't have a lot of big races out there. Um, and me coming back east, it's definitely been different, but but getting more comfortable. That was my second super late model race of the year, and so to be able to hop in one of them and then go out there and win Winchester, um, definitely didn't come easy, but hopefully we can carry on that momentum. Uh, I know my team, they put in so many countless hours on my Switch Toyota Camry. Um, Rowdy Manufacturing, they just built this brand new car, and uh, we're definitely going to be focused and positive throughout the weekend and uh, just try and come home with that top Dawson trophy. Okay, two things stood out for me there. First of all, the ego sheet. I love that quote, Jacob. That is absolutely what it turns into a lot of times in the practice sessions at these races when everybody starts mocking up just to uh, see how close to the top they could get. And I loved at the end, I hadn't heard this before, rowdy manufacturing. We make rowdies. No, actually, they make race cars. That's Kyle's. <laughs> cha- that's Kyle Bush's chassis building yeah, I company. Yeah, we build rowdies. That's uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, Noah really comes in very confident, it, it felt like, in that interview. I really got the sense, as yes. Joe Marco has sat down with us from HMS Motorsport, we'll talk to him in a moment, I really got that sense that um, it was – uh, this is a situation for him where he's had a year in the truck series, 
he comes back down into the late model now, not necessarily with swagger and certainly not ego, but just that confidence to say, look, I won at Martinsville. I got a granddaddy watch. I know I can win here. And oh, by the way, winning at Winchester certainly doesn't hurt. Well, I would actually reverse that, Tom. I think his win at Winchester was more important than his time in the truck series this year because uh, for a while I've honestly felt like Noah needed to prove to Noah that he could win in a super late model because, as he said, he didn't have that big win and he just doesn't have the track time in the supers that some of these guys who have grown up on this side of the country have in those cars. So I think the win at Winchester truly helped him to believe that he can contend in these cars and can win in these cars, and I think that's a great thing for him. I'm really looking forward. I wouldn't call him a favorite by any stretch, but I would call Noah a solid dark horse to to win the race if he is in contention, much like Christian Eckes, who I said a year ago I thought might be a dark horse for the Tom Dawson Trophy, and look what ended up happening. So we'll see what happens, but keep an eye on the 18. Well, for sure, and and I understand what you're saying about Winchester. I just think when you've been successful in a higher series, you come back down to a lower series with more confidence. You know, he's run faster than he'll ever run at – at five flags and you know he's put himself in a position against higher competition to beat them I think you know that really helps and like I said the the win at Winchester just adds more fuel to Noah Gregson's fire to go out and uh, get that Tom Dawson trophy this weekend it's going to be a great race we'll talk a little more about the snowball a little later on in the program but right now we need to step aside and when we come back The boss from HMS Motorsport is going to join us, and I think we're going to talk head and neck restraints. Driver safety segment coming up, so all you drivers, listen tight, because this is for you. And by the way, fans, you'll enjoy this as well. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show, presented by Joe Marco and HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, right here on PMN Radio. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. 
The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, and that was appropriate for us to preview Monday night's Motorsports Madness show coming up here on PMN this coming Monday. Cole Custer will be one of our featured guests, along with uh, Kaz Grala as well, going to be with us on that show. So stick around for that, and we hope to have the Derby winner on as well. Tom Baker, Jacob Zielman, Cisco Scaramuza, of course, Bill Holt behind the glass, producer Bill, and the boss from HMS Motorsports. Joe Marco is with us, so we got to act right in this segment. Um, Joe, head and neck restraints is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about all year, honestly. it As someone who's been around this sport a long time and seen the worst happen on a number of occasions, that's this is one of those topics why everybody get you a head and neck restraint trust me new set of tires not as important as your life right the good thing you know head and neck restraints have been around for several years uh the i think the most important thing to recognize though is this is a perfect time because the pri show is coming up uh next week and i believe that a number of the suppliers of head and neck restraints are going to make some announcements that are going to get the price below the 500 hundred dollar mark yes there's some good news and the nice thing is is that at that point you know it's a one-time purchase it's not yeah. like a helmet yeah. it's not like seat belts you buy it one time and you're pretty much done. Uh, if you're in a series where they require a certified device every five years, you can resubmit it to the manufacturer. They can recertify it. And unless you've had some major impacts with it and there's some damage to it, which is pretty hard to damage most of the devices out there, all you're going to be out is uh, is 40 bucks or 60 bucks or 70 bucks to replace some tethers or some you know small parts right. of the device. Um, but it's something that regardless of what level of racing you're doing. I mean, if you're going 30 miles an hour and you hit the wall at 30 miles an hour, you can create a serious injury that could put you out of work or could put you out of racing for some period of time. So getting a head and neck restraint, there's a lot of models out there now. Uh, Simpson has, uh, you know, the Hans device, the, the, a number of different hybrid devices. Uh, Schrott that we represent has uh, the Schrott SHR Flex. Uh, there are other devices out there from other manufacturers uh, that you know a little less common, but you'll see them out there. But all of these devices meet the same standard and provide the same at least certain level of uh, safety. Can you tell us the difference between some of the devices? Can you talk about what makes one device different from the other and maybe some of the, you say basically they all provide the same degree of safety. So what makes them unique? Right. So basically you want to be comfortable in the car. Uh, one of the complaints early on of, of Hans devices or even now of Hans devices is that uh, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't fit right. It, it hits the back of my seat or it's pushing my helmet forward. 
And a lot of the, the issues with the Hans device are not so much the Hans device itself. It's the improper fitment or the improper selection of which model of the Hans. You know, they have different angles. They have a, a 10 degree, a 20 degree, a 30 degree, uh, which, which has to do with a little bit the, the angle of the seat, but it also has to do with the shape of your body. I mean, if you're an older guy and you're bigger and you've got a bigger upper body or you work out a lot, you know, where the, where the template might say you need a 20 degree, you're probably going to need a 30 degree and that affects what the angle is of the collar coming up and how that it pushes. So if you put on a Hans device and it's pushing into the back of the seat and it's not letting you sit, sit back against the seat, then what you need to do is you need to get an angle that has a greater angle. The greater the angle number, the more that upright piece is pointing back towards your head. So if it's digging into the back of the seat and you got a 20 degree, if you got a 30 degree, that would bring that back angle more towards your head and would give you that space for the seat. On the, okay. contrary, on the contrary, if you had a 30 degree and you feel like your head is being pushed down, a 20 degree would bring it back a little bit and give you a little bit more room and fit better in between the seats. So with a Hans device, you got to try to see how it fits in your car with your body, or, or at least if you go to a shop, try it on, sit in a race seat, uh, that's sitting in the shop, and uh, that'll give you a good idea on, on what that what that feels like. So do they actually? So they actually make different angles, right? For so it? the Hans device, uh, the the standard angles are either usually a twenty or a thirty degree. Uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, the typically the thirty degree they say is for a lay down, more of a of a like a formula type car with okay. a big seat angle. But in reality, that's not true uh, because like even in the Cup series, like Jeff Gordon, he wore a thirty degree. He's not a big guy. Uh, but just because the way he sat in the seat, uh, it was more comfortable and it, and it fit better. So it's really a 20 or a 30 degree, get in the car, get in the seat, put on a helmet and see how it fits with the back of the seat. And that's, that's kind of uh, what, what they are. But now there are other devices. And so if you look at like a, a hybrid device uh, or uh, the Schrode Flex device, those two devices have very low collars and the collar. So you don't have the issue between the headrest and the helmet because the collar of the device is sitting below the back edge of the helmet. Okay. And that gives you a lot more comfort because you're not fighting, you know, a certain angle. Uh, the hybrid device is a very popular in dirt track uh, that people just seem to, the way that it fits over the body, uh, people seem to like that. Uh, the new Flex uh, from Schrott has some advantages in that the, the collar itself that goes around your neck, it articulates so it moves up and down. So in the event of an impact, what happens is the tether tightens up and it lifts the collar up to kind of give you the similar angle that you would see in a Hans device, but yet it lays down and gives you, you plenty of room uh, when you're... Uh, when you're just you know, in the car. So that's been good. Plus, it's got a flexible yoke that comes down that looks similar to uh, Hans' device, but the, it's, it's flexible, so the belts sit very close to your body. So a lot of people are finding that you know, to be very comfortable. The thing that's important with any of the head and neck restraints is, is get one, you know, try it on, see what you like, see what feels comfortable. Uh, make sure you get a device uh, that is a 38.1, an SFI 38.1. That's the head and neck restraint standard. That's the standard that all these are tested to to meet a certain criteria for uh, head injury, neck injury criteria. So that's what you're looking for that certification. But if it has that certification, then, you know, you know it's got a standard level. It's kind of like a Schnell certification on a helmet. You know, you know that that helmet is going to take a certain load for a protection of concussion, protection from intrusion. A 38.1 head and neck restraint is going to give you a certain level of protection. So that if you hit the wall at 30 or 90, uh, the likelihood that you're going to survive that and be in pretty good shape is, is, is there. So what I'm hearing is that 
The angle certainly makes a big difference for fitment, no matter which you choose, but there are some options now with the Shrope, for example, and some of the other hybrid devices. Are they legal? Is the legality of those as widespread as the Hans device, or how does that work? So aside from uh, NASCAR, uh, which has uh, kind of a double standard, so they require a 38-1 device, but then they also have devices which they approve. So, for example... They approve uh, one version of the hybrid, and they approve two versions or three versions of the Hans device, but not all the versions of either one of those. Uh, They have an extra standard. But outside of that, most sanctioning organizations will just specify uh, uh, an SFI 38.1 head and neck restraint. So it's really only very specifically NASCAR that's kind of in okay. a different boat. Uh, IndyCar, everybody's in pretty much a Hans device in that, uh, and they have a special Hans that has a really high collar in the back because they have some issues with uh, the way the seats work and how the people are dropped down into the cockpit. But outside of that, you know, you really don't have – Uh, anything other than just to worry about the standard. And if you're doing local circle track stuff, there may not be a standard whatsoever. Uh, But I would still strongly recommend there are some other head and neck restraints out on the market that are not 38.1. And if it's not 38.1, you cannot be assured, regardless of what the manufacturer said, that it's going to give you that level of protection. It would be like saying, okay, I'm going to go in and buy a helmet. Well, this helmet is cheaper uh, but it doesn't meet the Schnell standard, but I don't think the guys are going to check to see if it's a Schnell-rated helmet, so therefore I'm just going to buy the cheap helmet. Well, you get into an impact, that may not work. Yeah, cheap and worth it right? as it goes. Um, so watch your angle. Make sure you know what angle you should have. On and a Hans 38, device. Yes, right. on the Hans. Mm-hmm. And 38.1 is the, SFI, is the standard. SFI standard. And try the devices on. See one works bad. Best. The other thing is is the tether devices. There's tethers that, that come on the hybrid device. On All of them have some sort of a tether. The tether uh, that's tested when the device is certified is a specific length. Making that tether shorter or longer is not part of the SFI certification. So okay. the manufacturer can make that tether shorter or longer and still stay within that one certification, but they don't have to test that different length. Now, one of the things we've done is we've tested in work we've done over the years with Hans and with with our own devices. If we make that tether longer or shorter, we have found that that could possibly put the performance of the device a little bit outside of what optimally should be for the certification. So my recommendation is, is do not change the tether length. There's no advantage of a shorter tether or a longer tether. If you uh, that, that, that would make you change it from the standard length. The standard length, if I put on Hans device and if I put my chin down to my chest, I can actually touch my chin to my chest. The, the, the devices work by assuming that the body is going to kind of move forward, the Hans or the, the, the head and neck restraint is going to kind of stay back. It's going to tighten up that tether, and that's what's going to decelerate your head. Stopping your head from moving altogether just gives you a more sudden load initially. So there's a certain amount of movement and stuff that's that all this stuff works together that is designed and is certified when they test that device. So don't go messing with the lengths of the tethers. Don't order a shorter one because you say, oh, you know, I can move my head too much. You know, don't second guess what the product is. The, the base product is what you want. Uh, try to keep uh, some op- some have, have helmet options where you can have like a bigger device on your helmet that you can have like a quick release with a strap down. 
if you can get the least weight on your helmet is what you're looking for, and anything that, that you can eliminate or reduce as much any straps hanging down that could possibly get caught between your body or the, or the, the device and the seatbelt that could cause it potentially to release is, is also something to be considered enough. So, so all of the devices that are 38-1 provide about the same level of safety protection is what you're saying. As long as you don't modify the device... Uh, outside of the the specification yeah you, you shouldn't you shouldn't i mean uh, you're not modifying the device yourself what you can do is that you can buy a shorter honstetter or a longer okay. honstetter uh but they're uh, even though you may buy it and it's legal for them to sell it i'm just saying that uh there's no advantage to use a shorter tether it's not going to okay. give you more protection and the longer tether isn't going to give you more protection the best protection is going to be with the standard tether that comes with the standard device because that's what is actually certified in the 38-1 test. If anyone has any questions about anything they've just heard, and we're going to go ahead and we'll, we'll clip this out of the broadcast and share it as a separate, uh, uh, a separate story. But, uh, where do they get a hold of you, Joe, or just call HMS, just call HMS motorsport, uh, which is, um, Eight 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 of well, my God, I don't even look at my toll free number anymore. HMS Motorsport. <laughs> basically, just go to our website hmsmotorsport dot com. No s hmsmotorsport dot com. Right. Or visit either of their two locations in Danvers, Massachusetts, or here in Mooresville, North Carolina. And you're likely as likely to find Joe up there as down here, or he may be just out of the country entirely. So uh, you never know where Joe's going to be. We get tired trying to keep up with him. Joe, thank you for being Thanks on the program it's, it's and uh, look forward to being back at HMS for another show and another uh, video safety seminar, likely about the same topic. Sounds great. Look forward to it, Tom. All right. That's Joe Marco from HMS Motorsport, our driver safety segment. When we come back, we switch gears. We talk about Danvers, Massachusetts. Well, Kyle Souza's up somewhere in Massachusetts. He's going to talk New England Motorsports next. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by Joe Marco and the folks from HMS Motorsport on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? 
That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. show is always being presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, now joined by our New England Motorsports correspondent Kyle Souza, who also scribes for Area Auto Racing News and is a member of the NASCAR Home Tracks PR staff covering the Wheel and Modified Tour. And Kyle, that is where we start tonight. The NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour has released their schedule for the 2018 season. And we begin as we mean to go on, if you will, right where we began this year at Myrtle Beach Speedway on March 17th. Yeah, uh, so glad to be back on the show, Tom, first of all. And uh, the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour, as you mentioned, uh, last year starting at Myrtle Beach and what was really the start of a new era for the tour with that unified tour, the first ever unified tour race taking place at Myrtle Beach last year. The victor was Timmy Salamito. Uh, Jacob, you were down there for that race, uh, the Myrtle Beach event. Of course, the tires uh, and the tire strategy played a lot into that race with the way the surface eats up the tires. Rob Summers was strong for a lot of that race. But in the end, Salomito had the best tires at the end of that race. 150 lap distance there. The tires matter a lot. We heard that all day uh, earlier this year. And when it came down to the end of the race, uh, it came to be true. It's appropriate that we're starting off a modified tour season with a tire eater, isn't it? We like strategy in these cars. And I like that Myrtle Beach is back as the season opener because it's a good location. It's a good early start to the season. We don't have to wait till the middle or the end of April for the icebreaker and the spring sizzler. We can get off to a good kickstart here, and it allows for some consistency, too. We still need to have some of these southern tracks. We see three very long-standing southern tracks that have hosted modifieds in the past back on the schedule for 2018, Kyle. Uh, It's a good launching pad, honestly, to start going into the icebreaker and the sizzler because it's another big track more or less it's a high speed fast track that allows a lot of these teams to really get a good baseline going into the new england core start of the season kyle so it's a good move and you're right i was at the myrtle beach race last year loved it the track officials were tremendous to everybody involved and uh, like i said it's going to be a good kickstart to next year yeah, and I think you mentioned, you know, the fact that it's a little bit of a bigger track. The three southern tracks that the tour will visit 
again in 2018, three different tracks. So you got Myrtle Beach, we just talked about. Wangley, uh, their date moving from Mother's Day weekend down to June 23rd. That's a short, fast, bullring-style type track. And then in late August, uh, the annual Bushes Beans 150 at Bristol on that Wednesday night. Of course, that race has been plagued by rain. Uh, that night has been plagued by rain over the last couple of years, so we kind of know going into that we may have to deal with that, unfortunately. But uh, that Bristol race, again, has been top-notch every year to put these guys in the spotlight with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Patrick Emerling winning that race uh, last year. But back to the top for a second. You mentioned the Icebreaker and the Sizzler. Those both races are back again for the 2018 season. Uh, those traditional events for the Wheel of Modified Tour uh, Thompson's um, season opener on April 8th. That'll be the Sunday afternoon show there. And then the end of April, the uh, Napa Springs Sizzler at Stafford on April 29th. So, Tom, those two races coming at the beginning of the season are those traditional style races that keep the tradition going in New England and uh, the first of many stops at Thompson and Stafford for 2018. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting opening that you go from a beach racetrack to the icebreaker at Thompson, where it could just be 32 degrees, honestly. Uh, and then you go to Stafford at the end of April and then get into uh, the heat of it, if you will, on June the 2nd, a whole month off in May for the Wheel and Modified Tour, Jacob, which is kind of interesting. We we get some time before we go to Stafford on the 2nd of June, and then basically 11 days later, we're back at Thompson, then we're at Langley. Uh, so a fairly busy month of June after a totally blank month of May. Which is, as you said, a little unusual for the tour. Usually we have at least one race during the month of May, but honestly, Kyle, with the way these first three races of the year tend to go... I'm not sure if I'm a race team, I'm disappointed that we have a month to reset after Myrtle Beach, the Icebreaker, and the Sizzler. Because if you're not where you need to be, you can spend time working on cars and get where you need to be. And if you've been crashed out once or twice in those first three races, you can reset, rebuild, and go at it again in June where you really need to be at the top of your game. I actually, in an odd way, think this month break for May is going to be a good thing for these teams next year. Oh uh, Yeah, and I think that's what NASCAR had planned uh, when they made the schedule for the 2018 season. Of course, the, the press release that came out with the tour schedule uh, saying that the date change for Seacott to move them from August up to June and have that gap in May allows that there's only one time that the tour races three weeks in a row next year. Uh, and that time for these guys to work on their cars and kind of reset a couple of times during the year is going to be important, Jacob. And I think it's going to be exceptional, uh, you know, amazing for these guys to have that opportunity, especially when it comes down towards the end of the season when we have that big 250-lot race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway on uh, September 22nd. That's going to be the race that everybody, I think, is looking at. That's kind of the headliner of this 2018 schedule at this point. And that gap, those gaps that you mentioned in the schedule, of course, I think it's going to be a little bit frustrating for some people to have the whole month of May off because you're kind of getting a rhythm in the first couple weeks of the season, and then you're on a break for a while. 
but I think those brakes are really going to matter to keep the cars under them, to keep everybody together and give everybody a break. And that's something that, you know, these guys are not running in the Monster Energy Cup Series. They're not prepared to run each week at the highest level. Some of them may be, but most of them aren't. They need those brakes in the middle to recover. And I think NASCAR has done a good job of giving them that for 2018. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you look at, I mean, April 29th is, is the sizzler, and that's, I guess, close enough to May. But then you, you have that stretch in June, as we mentioned, Seekonk, Thompson, and Langley, uh, the 2nd, the 13th, and the 23rd. And then as you get into July, there's really only two races, the 7th at Riverhead, and then uh, the 20th, 21st at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. So only a couple races in July there. But, of course, the big one at New Hampshire you kind of look at that and say, well, again, you know, that that leaves some space there so that the teams can come out of Riverhead and make sure they're prepared to go to uh, to the mile and run up there. Yeah, and that's that, that's the big thing that NASCAR has been looking at. They're, they're trying to make sure that the teams are prepared. Uh, and again, I agree. I think they've done a nice job of doing that. Something a little bit different than what we're accustomed to. Uh, Tom, and something else we're going to be a little bit different than what we're accustomed to this year. Only one non-points race on the schedule for 2018. Yeah. You just mentioned that on Friday, July 20th at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, that wheel and engineering all-star shootout, which has become a great race over the last couple of years. I believe this will be the fourth annual uh, wheel and all-American uh, series season up there in New Hampshire that they've been running this special event at New Hampshire uh, on that Friday. It's only past champions and people that are uh, invited to the event, so there's only going to be 18, 19 cars instead of the 35, 36 car field. That's been a great race. So the other thing, guys, down where you are in Charlotte, that is missing for this year. Uh, that bull ring at Charlotte, the Legends Oval in the infield, they're not on the schedule for the 2018 season, so uh, the tour not going to be returning to Charlotte. They've run there since 2010, and the Southern Tour ran there from 2010 to 2016. And then, of course, this past year, the Unified Tour running there in a non-points event. So I thought that was interesting. That was kind of one of the things that I was interested to see what would happen with that, if that would return. And uh, with the Monster Energy Cup Series going to the Roval next October, the uh, Wheel and Tour is not going to be back there. Well, I was going to bring that up, Kyle. And it's not a case, I don't think, of the two are not wanting to race at Charlotte, but it's just not logistically possible with the way the Roval is set up. Most of that Charlotte Legends Oval is going to be utilized differently from a pit road standpoint for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series in the Roval setup compared to the traditional oval setup that we have run uh, in all of Charlotte Motor Speedway's history. So it just doesn't make it possible with all the course changes and all the other things that are going to have to be done to make the Roval a reality for the stock cars. It uh, logistically wasn't able to utilize that Legends Oval in the front straightaway to be able to make that race work. Uh, I think it's interesting, though, Tom, when you consider that because they can't hold the tour race in the fall, Charlotte went and got an ARCA race in the spring to kind of counteract that a little bit. I know slightly off the topic, but just interesting to see how all these little changes and everything uh, are affected and resolved and uh, still make for some really great racing next year. You know, the thing is, is I think the tour schedule as it is right now, I mean, I, you know, I've always thought the Charlotte race was a really good idea. We'd love to have the modifieds at Charlotte. I just never thought the quarter mile was really that racy for them. So I think the way the schedule is now, Kyle, 
you look at it, and it's, I think, a much more appropriate. If you're going to have a non-points race, New Hampshire is definitely the place to do it, in my opinion, and I think that's going to be a much better situation. Yeah, I agree. I think the Charlotte race we saw this past year, what was there, only 12, 13 cars uh, that made that trip down there to Charlotte and Doug Kobe uh, basically dominating that race, except there at the end, you know, he had some challenging. But, uh, you know, Calvin Carroll finished third in that race. That was a great confidence booster for him. That Charlotte track has put on uh, some good racing at times. At other times, it's been a lot of, you know, single file, file of the leader. It's helped a couple of guys uh, propel them a little bit with some confidence and some momentum. But uh, that not going to be back uh, for next year as well. Of course, two more dates at Riverhead uh, and Oswego's back. That was something that wasn't decided on right until the last couple of days is what I've been told by multiple sources that was uh, up in the air on if the tour was going to return there for Bud Classic Weekend. Come to find out they do on September 1st, so that's going to be an interesting stretch. And one more thing I want to point out about that tour schedule, we continue to see that August stretch that has been so famous over the last couple of years. Friday, August 3rd at Stafford, Wednesday, August 8th at Thompson, and Wednesday, August 15th at Bristol. Those three races are within a 12-day stretch, so that's always the toughest stretch for these guys uh, especially going down there back to Bristol, Tom, that travel distance from up here down there can bite some people uh, because you don't have as much time to prepare your stuff. Yeah, and then uh, I think after Bristol, it goes straight to Oswego in a couple of weeks after that. So not a lot of uh, cushion there in August. So hopefully uh, everybody will come out of that in in good stead. And, you know, I, I love the Oswego Modified show, and I'm glad it's coming back. That's uh, a big part of Budweiser Classic Weekend up there. The Modifieds have been for a long time. So uh, we'll continue with more talk about the Modified Tour, and we've got some other uh, New England stuff to sort out here in our next segment with Kyle Souza as we continue here on the Stock Car Show. We'll be back here on the Performance Motorsports Network right after this. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. 
HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Shrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road... It becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Hello. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And uh, we are talking with Kyle Souza, our New England Motorsports correspondent. We've been talking the Wheel and Modified Tour. and We've still got a couple of little uh, things to sort of clean up here before we move on to other things of New England Motorsports sort, Kyle. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, the tour and what, uh, what else we need to know. Yeah, Tom, I just want to quickly mention, uh, we were talking about it off the air here a minute ago, there are no other Southern tracks that were added to the schedule. Of course, for those who don't know, the Tour Unified for 2017, the elimination of the Wheel and Southern Modified Tour, they unified uh, and put the two tours together. They ran one. We didn't have many Southern teams run uh, a full-time schedule, if if any ran a full-time schedule, maybe one or two. A lot of them sprinkled in some races. You know, those Southern guys were at the Southern races. A couple of them ran for other guys up here. Uh, but just want to make that note that, you know, there are no extra Southern races added this year. I think the three tracks that they have, Myrtle Beach, Langley, and Bristol, are likely to stay on there uh, for a while. Langley was moved from Mother's Day uh, to that mid-June race because they weren't too happy with the attendance, and they think that may have been uh, because of Mother's Day is what sources tell me. So, that's the bottom line there. There are no new Southern tracks, Tom, uh, at this point. You know, the way it looks, I'm, I'm thinking that these three tracks that we have right now are probably going to be the three tracks going forward. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. Bristol's been a part of it for a while, and that's kind of a unique one-off show. Um, you know, Myrtle Beach loves variety down there, so, you know, I'm sure that they feel great about having the opener because that's a unique position. And Langley uh, is a track that really has been a part of modified racing for a long time over the years, just had that, you know, interruption when the track sort of went through the transition that it did with the ownership and all of that over the last several seasons. But um, I think those will be about the only three tracks you're going to see the tour at. And, you know, the way that it's played out here, it basically has become a tour that is based in the north in new england which really is at this point the stronghold for modified racing 
in the country. So, you know, that probably makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that stranglehold you mentioned, uh, we'll shift gears a little bit to Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park. We were just talking about how they're going to have uh, four NASCAR wheel modified tour races once again in 2018. They had four this year, and all of them have been uh, greatly successful. Of course, there are two big events, their icebreaker in April, and then at the end of the season, they have their Sunoco World Series in October. Those are their two big events at the track. Those are two of the seven pavement asphalt races that they're going to have again in 2018. They've got the icebreaker to kick things off. They've got a couple of uh, weekly All-American Series shows as part of the NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series. And then on the flip side of that, they've got another big event once again for 2018, guys, an event we saw was a success uh, this past year. This will be the second annual Bush North throwback for the NASCAR Kane and Pro Series. Jacob, I know uh, we, we had a lot of paint schemes come out. It was kind of a big, exciting thing when it happened for the first time. It reminded me a lot of what the Monster Energy Cup Series has done at Darlington for their throwback weekend. A lot of the guys on the k Series playing along, bringing that throwback scheme, that throwback uh, driver's suit out, and that big event at Thompson again uh, coming up again next year in July. I love this race, just like I love the NASCAR National Series throwback weekend between Darlington and Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, uh, the way it's been the last couple of Labor Day weekends. This is just a nod to the history, and honestly, it's kind of fun for me and a little bit different to see some of these kids who weren't even alive during the eras in which their throwback cars competed throwing back to said cars, kind of appropriate in a way. There were a few that uh, made it really work this year. A couple of the Rev Racing guys threw back to Rev Racing alums who were part of the team in years past, but uh, it's been fun. I love the event. The atmosphere is tremendous, Kyle. The fans really seem to embrace the inaugural throwback weekend at Thompson this past season, and I think only better things to come and more of it to come in 2018 for sure. Yeah, and I think that Thompson throwback race fits at a good spot, too, for the K&N schedule. Of course, that K&N schedule uh, going to be coming out here shortly over the next couple of days, weeks. I was going to go to the month, but not that far. Um, it's been a great event for them last year, and I think it's going to be great again this year. That is dead in the middle of their schedule uh, for next year. So that's basically the middle point of their schedule uh, in July. That's on a Saturday night, as it was last year, Saturday night, July 14th. Uh, after that, Jacob, they're going to have their 29th annual Bud King of Beers 150, another tour race. Uh, that's their only event in August. They only have one event in September. And then the Sunoco World Series, the 56th annual, uh, coming up on October 12th through October 14th. So, I mean, seven races at Thompson. Again, that's kind of what they've settled on over the last couple of years with what they've got going on with the road course there. Uh, and I do want to quickly bring up mentioning Thompson. I had been uh, tweeting out some of the tidbits about the schedule uh, that I had learned just before it came out uh, late last week or early last week. Uh, and Josh Vanata, uh, the general manager at Thompson, had tweeted me back after a discussion I was having with some folks on Twitter about a road course possibility. And he did mention that the tour teams and NASCAR have shown some interest in uh, a road course race. At least the teams have. I mean, you know, NASCAR has been bouncing around a lot of ideas. I'm sure that's been one of them that they've been bouncing around. Uh, but Josh mentioned that, they would need a second road course on the schedule in order to make that happen. And I think that's uh, for financial reasons, because you don't want the teams to create a road course car just to one run one race. Of course, they've been to Lime Rock in the past, you know, probably a decade or so ago, Tom. But 
interesting to note that that road course is there at Thompson, and it's a possibility that over the next couple of years we could see that happen if they can find a second road course. I've got a great idea for them. All they need to do is drive into New York State and line up something at Watkins Glen where the Modifieds, I think, have once or twice in the distant past raced. Um, you know, I, I've, I would think that would be huge as a part of NASCAR weekend there if they could somehow figure it out. Um, but I, I, I think it'd be great to see a race at Watkins Glen. And I don't know, Jacob, too much about the Thompson Road Course. I've, I've actually never laid eyes on it, but... You know, I think it would be interesting, and and if they're going to run four or five times at Thompson, I think it'd be fun to break it up with a road course race. Well, exactly, exactly. I've not laid eyes on the Thompson road course either, but I've heard a lot of good things about it in the past, so I think we can only hope. Lime Rock, actually, more recently, I think as late maybe as 2010, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour was at Lime Rock, but could you only imagine, Kyle, or even Tom, one of you, the possibility of a K&N East NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour doubleheader Friday in addition to some of the on-track activity for the Cup and Xfinity cars at Watkins Glen? Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Absolutely. See, I think that would be perfect, and I think it'd be, that's something NASCAR needs to look to see if they can do more, as far as I'm concerned, is put the Modifieds on these companion deals. Um, and I think Watkins Glen would be fantastic. If you could get... If you could get the mods at the Glen, and if Thompson's road course is worthy, uh, then put them there. Have a couple of road course races on the schedule. That really makes, I think, to me, a much more interesting tour for a lot bigger a fan base. I'll add this final thought, Kyle, before we move on to other things. The last time the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour raced at Watkins Glen was 2000. They raced there actually six times, twice in 97, but they did it at least once every year between 1996 and 2000. Actually, three different drivers winning a pair of events. Mike Stefanik, Tim Connolly, and the late Ted Christopher won the final two races at the Glen. So more recently than people might think they've been on the 2.45-mile course. Yeah, and I think uh, Watkins Glen is a great fit. You know, I'm glad Tom brought that up. I think that would be the one place that I could definitely see it happening at. Uh, There's other, you know, I'm not sure uh, that there's many other road courses out there that it would be able to be happen at. And I think that's because of the travel distance. You know, Watkins Glen's within uh, basically probably whatever Riverhead is within. It's within four or five hours of Connecticut up here, which is actually probably less than Connecticut. It's four or five hours from me in Massachusetts. So for these guys that are based out of Connecticut, it's probably two, three hours. So I think that's a great. Uh, point there. Watkins Gun is a possibility going forward. Uh, another possibility going forward, another guarantee going forward, is that the Stafford Motor Speedway is going to have three wheel and tour races in the 2018 season. Stafford going to be celebrating their 60th season of NASCAR Wheel wow. and All American Series racing and NASCAR racing in Connecticut uh, next year with their 22 race schedule that they released. Of course, we mentioned it kicks off with the Napa Spring Sizzler, the 48th annual uh, that they called the greatest race in the spring. With the Wheel and Modify Tour, the tour is also going to be back there for the fall final. They'll have one race in the middle of August, right at the beginning there on August 3rd, the Stafford 150. But some other interesting points about that Stafford schedule, guys. The Valenti Modified Racing Series is back for 280 lap races. Uh, the SK Modified is, of course, going to be back weekly, the SK Lights. A point about the SK Lights, the SK Lights have not been running on the Sunday of those big weekends with the tour. It used to only be the SK modified of the late model. Well, they're changing that around a little bit. 
SK Lights will join uh, the Fall Final Sunday and the Spring Sizzler Sunday. I think that's a good tidbit. And one other point from that Stafford schedule I don't think anybody expected. They're going to have two open modified 80-lap races. Those races on June 8th and July 13th, the rules and you know the specs of the events are still to be announced. But they're going to have open modified races. Sources telling me the rules are going to be similar to those that you might see in the Tri-Track Modified Series where it's kind of an open show. Run what you brung. There's only certain rules, of course, with the motor and the weight. So that's interesting, too. The Stafford opening up to these open modified events, basically tour-type modified features twice in the middle of the year. And those replace, Jacob, the modified touring series races that had been there. They elected not to bring them back, and I think they've they found a good replacement at this point. I would say so. I think that's going to be fun to watch. And if it's scripted anything like the Tri-Track series rules, um, calling one Matt Hirschman, calling yeah, one Matt Hirschman. Exactly. I'm not sure, though, guys, that he's going to be able to run those races. It depends on how the ROC schedule looks. It depends on how, you know, what is he planning to do with the Wheel and Modified Tour because there are some tour races in that close vicinity. So uh, that is the name that came into my head. There are other names that came into my head. Keith Rocco is obviously going to be a threat in those races. Uh, and, you know, it makes me think, again, the unfortunate passing of Ted Christopher. That would have been Teddy's kind of race, an 80-lap shootout at Stafford, uh, a place he knew like the back of his hand. So uh, Stafford's, again, on pace for another great season next year. 22 races, a great schedule for them. Just quickly, Seekonks also released their schedule. They're going to have the wheel and tour back, as we mentioned, in June. They've got two tri-track races for the 2018 season as well, with the Haunted 100 coming up uh, at the end of October. So, a lot of great things going on up here in New England. A lot of these schedule releases starting to come out, and we're going to learn more about 2018 over the next couple of weeks, especially when some of these other tour modified series like the MTS come out with their schedule. A lot of speculation about what's going to happen there. So uh, a lot to come here in New England, but these schedules starting to come out so you can start booking what you have planned for 2018. Well, we uh, certainly will keep our eyes out and look forward to speaking with you as events happen here, Kyle. We uh, certainly appreciate you taking some time to chat with us this evening and uh, look forward to what's to come here from the New England motorsports scene. Certainly still a lot to be decided as we uh, continue to go through the holiday season and into the first of 2018. Thanks for being on, Kyle, and uh, we will chat with you soon. That is Kyle Souza. We are going to step aside. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsports on the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. 
My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. <laughs> bad, bad Leroy Ben Rhodes there, bringing us back from this break. Uh, good to hear Jim Croce again on any kind of radio, honestly. I miss Jim Croce. All right, welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza. Talking racing with you, and time for our lightning round already. This has been a very fast-paced show tonight. A lot of different voices, a lot of different uh, conversation going on. Thanks again to uh, Joe Marco for that uh, safety segment that he did on head neck restraints. And again, we'll uh, turn that into a Race Chaser feature story. It'll be on Race Chaser Online sometime in the next several days. So keep your eye out for that. And uh, of course, guys, uh, you know, it's it, the lightning round is usually time for some, you know, fill in the blanks or whatever. But tonight we start on kind of a sad note. Honestly, I want to just throw out a couple of topics for discussion. And we'll start with the sad news that we got. A little bit earlier today, Jim Neighbors has passed away. And for those of you in the audience who are wondering, well, okay, that was Gomer Pyle. Why are we talking about Gomer Pyle on a racing show? Well, it's because if any of you are familiar with the Indianapolis 500 for many, many years, Jim Neighbors was the gentleman who sang back home again in Indiana and Honestly, Jacob, I really, and again, I mean, no disrespect to anybody who's sang it since Jim Neighbors stopped traveling to Indy to do it, but I wish they'd just play the video of Jim singing it every year because nobody does it like he did. Well, that's true, but to be fair, I would say the Blackhawks anthem singer this year came as close as anybody's going to come to 
getting it right. And uh, I, I, Cisco and I were talking about this back in May. I think uh, he and I are both in agreement on that front. This just – my heart broke, honestly. Uh, I was – Looking at one of the uh, IndyCar groups on Facebook earlier today, and uh, uh, one of my uh, good friends in the industry, Scott Lockwood, said that he just felt like a part of him died when that announcement came out. And I got to say, as a longtime fan of the Indianapolis 500, I agree with that assessment wholeheartedly. Jim Neighbors was as much the Indianapolis 500 as the Borg Warner Trophy or drinking the milk or the yard of bricks, whatever you want to say about tradition and about history and about what makes this race what it is, Jim Neighbors was one of those figures. And I just hate it, Cisco. I know obviously you're going to school up in Indianapolis, and I imagine it's been really kind of a somber day up there for the entire racing community. This is just one of those where we all knew eventually it was going to happen, but that didn't mean it was any easier to swallow. No, it wasn't. And uh, this goes well beyond just the racing community in Indianapolis. Uh, this Obviously, the 500 has such a significance to the city, and Jim Neighbors having a, signif- a significance to the 500, it's just... I, like you said, we 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 feared this was going to happen, and uh, when he stepped away uh, after 2014, the last year he did it, um, we we figured that there would be some reasons why, and he he made it plain that the reason he wasn't able to do it was because he couldn't really do it anymore. Couldn't and travel. Talking from it was the travel yeah. part that was tough yeah. on him. Not so much the singing part, but yeah. Yeah, his uh he current he uh did reside in Honolulu was uh where his house was. So yeah. obviously he'd have to fly all the way to the mainland, probably land at LAX and then take a and then, you know, transfer over to just get to Indianapolis. So a very far very far traveling for him and um talking with some of the uh Indianapolis Motor Speedway employees about a month ago they came and uh, we talked I got a chance to talk to them a little bit and uh, it was hard for them you know to have to move on to try and find someone to fill that role and as Jacob alluded to Jim Cornelson the gentleman who sings the national anthem for the Blackhawks as well as sang back home again in Indiana he is uh, an IU grad and uh, while he didn't spend all of his life here in Indiana he spent much of uh, much of his early life so um, it's kind of a connection there, but you're absolutely right, Tom. It's it it will never be the same without Jim. No, I used to tear up every year when he would sing that, uh, you know. And and I grew up it, as a '70s kid, and in a generation where the Indy 500 was just I mean, it was a it was a bit of a mystery. In fact, I can remember when the Indy 500 wasn't broadcast live; they would broadcast it on tape delay at about eight o'clock and nine o'clock at night. And, you know, that was always a sacred race and still is for me because I grew up in uh super modified territory. So the open wheel stuff for me is, is still very much uh, near and dear to my heart. And Jim neighbors was as much a part of that race. Jacob, you were right as any of the other pieces. Um, 
you know, and the interesting thing about him is, you know, a lot of people also will probably remember him as Burt Reynolds' sidekick and Stroker Ace. And I think, you know, of all of the uh, movie roles that Jim Neighbors played in, you know, I think those those Burt Reynolds movies were among the funniest ever. And I still think Stroker Ace was was and is the preeminent funny racing movie because um, it doesn't demean the sport as much as it just takes some of the real characters of that day and has a little fun with them. And, you know, you had drivers like Kyle Petty and Dale Earnhardt and some of the others in that movie. It was just, you know, Jim Neighbors right. was just so naturally gifted. And he was he was a big racing fan, which really, it was authentic. All of that was very authentic. So, you know, we really are going to miss Jim Neighbors. Uh, you know, he, it, was, it was certainly a, a wonderful life that he led, and he was very blessed in the opportunities that he had. And we were very blessed to be able to uh, to know Jim and to be a part of his uh, a little part, see a little part of his life every year when he would uh, when he would sing at the Indy Five Hundred. Agreed. I, I really don't know what more I can add to that other than to say that, you know, all of us obviously send our uh, thoughts and prayers to his family and friends. And I think uh, I can say that I'm appreciative of the fact that he was able to uh, to go home being with family at his home yes. in Hawaii. And <laughs> I, I, that's just one of those places where, uh, you know, I, I feel like there there's a piece about it. Um I just feel like uh, it's it's kind of fitting in a way, Tom. That yeah, he was able to go home at peace uh, there with with family. And speaking of Indy, and we can stay on the topic for a minute because you and I had a head scratcher yesterday. We we haven't really done a newswire here because we've spent a lot of the show talking about the Derby and and other things. But <laughs> Brian Barnhill, <laughs> interesting. Uh, turn of events here goes to work once again on the competition side of the sport and I think you and I kind of scratched our heads over this not to say in a way that was necessarily unrealistic or whatever but just that this would happen at this point I'm gonna take a page from our good good IndyCar friend Joel Sebastianelli's book and uh, go Ah, the curious case of the great Brian Barnhart. Yeah. And kind of shake my head and chuckle because Brian started his career in the competition side of the sport. He goes back to the competition side of the sport now as the president of the Harding racing team that Gabby Chavez is going to drive for in 2018. I don't have much analysis here other than there were a lot of IndyCar fans who liked this move because there were a lot of IndyCar fans at one time or another that didn't necessarily agree with Brian's calls in race control. (laughs) He spent 20 great years in race control. I feel like he really did do a lot of good things for the sport and with the sport. And I'm excited to see him back with Gabby next year and working, uh, working with his old friends there at Harding racing. He's worked with a few of them in the past uh, on the competition side, and it'll be fun to see them team up again. Yeah. It'll be interesting to, to see how that works for sure. And, you know, Indy, obviously, Indy Carr, uh, I think set for a bit of a a competitive 2018 series. But um, I think it's really 2019. A lot of people are looking forward to to see what happens uh, when uh, the new arrow kits come in. 
No, 2018. You're right. I like new arrow kits, and I like the age that the new arrow kits are ushering in this year. Oh, that's I, right. I think it's going to be that's right. great fun. Yeah, I was thinking 19. I was a year nope. a year too late. No, um, we, yeah. we we get them this year, which is going to be great yeah, for the sport. Uh, well, I, I, I can't wait. I agree, and, and I think given the fact that we had such a competitive year this year, I think when you get the new arrow kits, I think it's going to make it even more competitive, and with some of the changes in new drivers in different places and new drivers in in seats like Zach Veach who haven't run a full IndyCar season before I think this has an opportunity to be one of the most competitive Cisco IndyCar seasons in quite some time and I think maybe not so much competitive but newsworthy very quickly Cisco yeah, very, very newsworthy are those new arrow kits. And the biggest thing for me right now about those arrow kits, everybody likes them. I have heard very little criticism about these arrow kits. If if any criticism, it's about the car as a whole, not the arrow kit specifically. That tells me a lot of good things are in the future here. I agree 100%. And with that, we throw the checkered flag on this radio show. Fast-paced though it has been, we want to take this opportunity to thank all of our partners at Performance Motorsports Network, Bob Steele and Sue Mason, of course, Mike Garrity, Megan Colvin, our partners at 3 Wide Life as well. And we look forward to being back Monday night for Motorsports Madness here on PMN Radio. For Cisco Scaramuza and Jacob Seelman, along with Bill Holt behind the glass, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for joining us. Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.